Meet the Everyday Executive, helping you thrive in any position, from intern to boardroom. Welcome to the Everyday Executive. I'm your host, Adam Mattis. The Everyday Executive was created for you. We want to help you become the professional that you've always wanted to be, and beyond that, We want to help make you a better person in the process. The Everyday Executive offers strategies, tips, and tactics that you can take to the office tomorrow and begin implementing and start seeing immediate results. This week, we're going to bring you another Agile throwback, talking about the Agile team. We'll talk about the roles on the team, the function of the team, and exactly how you should be organizing those teams for maximum business results. We hope you enjoy this one in our Agile throwback series. Today, we're going to discover the art of forming the Agile team. In this podcast, we'll talk about the roles on the team, we'll review each role's responsibilities, and we'll define some best practices for new Agile teams. And finally, we'll begin to understand how self-organization can lead to higher productivity from that team and happier individuals overall. So let's dive in. Let's talk about some of the key benefits we see from teams who become Agile and move from that traditional waterfall, PMO, SDLC type approach. Over the last several decades, we've kind of done a very good job of building a wall that separates IT from the business. And we can illustrate this through a lot of the things that we say in the IT department or in the business side. We always talk about how we're throwing requirements over to IT or we're throwing something back to the business. And that mindset, those words alone indicate that there's a barrier between us. One of the key benefits you get from becoming agile and and following Scrum and other approved methodologies is that we really start to tear down that wall. We start to become one. We start understanding that the business and IT are not separate entities, but we're part of one team working towards a common goal. So let's start looking at that from the Agile team perspective. So obviously there are two distinct sides of this equation. So what we need to be careful of is that we don't rebuild that wall we've just torn down. So the two key roles that we need to think of are our product owner, who represents the business, who represents the customer the product manager, marketing executives, business analysts, sales, all of those core business functions. Then we also have the team members that make up the development team in the IT side of the equation. Those folks are the developers, the IT side technical analysts, quality testers, uh, maybe an IT project manager, scrum master, UI and creative folks, database analysts, middleware, and more. So those are our two sides of the equation. And again, while they are two sides to the equation, they are part of the same team, and that's something we really need to begin to internalize. Now that we understand there's two distinct sides to this equation, let's talk about what each side is accountable for, what they're responsible for. First, on the business side, these folks have a strategic vision for whatever it is that we're building, what our product is, and they're also responsible for making sure that the IT side understands what that is. So that business product owner, that BPO, is responsible for creating the product vision. And once they have that vision, they start to distill it. They start to break it down. What are the big ideas that go into this vision? And those ideas they'll place on our roadmap, right? The roadmap is not a commitment. It's not a dictation or a schedule of when they expect certain things. It's just the beginnings of prioritization of this vision, of this big idea. Which elements would I like to see first? So that's the first steps to really helping the IT side begin to prioritize their work. And it's the first step for that BPO in breaking down and managing that backlog. So let's get into the backlog. The backlog is that single source of truth for the project or the product. 
and that's managed by the product owner. Not saying that the product owner is the only one that can can add things to it or take things off of it, but they're the ones who are ultimately accountable for everything that's on it. They're the ones for, accountable for maintaining the health of that backlog. In addition, they they also need to be prepared with details and to answer questions whenever they might arise. That business partner we talked about really is the spearhead. They represent all of those other business functions collectively. So that BPO needs to be empowered to make decisions. And if there's something that they don't know, they need to be able to be courageous enough to go out there and solicit that information in a timely manner from the appropriate teams. So the last thing that we really think of when we talk about accountability on the business product owner side is that they really need to set the clear expectations for acceptance. They define what done is. So I've created my high-level user story, and now I've also said, as a product owner, to accept this, these are the criteria that I'm going to look for to determine whether or not the user story is done. So to kind of sum up the role of the product owner, we need to think of that individual or that group of individuals in terms of delivering what is needed. They're responsible for that definition. They provide us that vision of where we need to go. If you think in terms of a rowing team, the rowing team all looks back towards the captain. The captain has the vision forward and they steer the boat to get it to the finish line on time. And that's really neat how we, how we need to think about that product owner. We need to trust that person. We need to trust that they are driving our team, our scrum team, in the right direction. Ah, uh, advertising, I know. Two minutes, guys, I promise it's worth your time. We can all recognize that at one point or another, we had that coach or that teacher in our lives that helped us to reach the next level, who helped push us through the barriers to take us to new levels of success. Well, just because we've reached adulthood doesn't mean the need for coaching has subsided. In fact, many would argue that you have more of a need for a coach now than ever. Check out everydayexecutive.co to learn about the coaching services that we provide. We'll help you set goals, overcome boundaries, and become your best self. All the tools you need to reach that next level of career success that we're all so desperately chasing. Now back to the show. All right, so let's flip the equation. Let's begin to talk about what our IT teams are accountable for. So the first thing they're accountable for is for estimating the work. The product owner defines the body of work. Largely, right now there's always opportunities for us to add non-user stories or technical user stories, and those things will also be estimated by the IT team, but one of their first primary responsibilities is to estimate the body of work residing on the backlog. The next step is, during sprint planning or iteration planning, they're going to go ahead and plan and make commitments based on that body of work. They're the only ones that can make those commitments. The product owner will be responsible for making sure the backlog is prioritized, and the team will begin to pull their commitment items from the top of the backlog, but as far as making the finite commitments to which user stories will be worked and which sprint, that responsibility resides solely with that development team. Next is that the team actually executes the iteration. They do the sprinting. They do the development, the analysis, the testing. At the end of the sprint, they're responsible for demonstrating the completed functionality. And they also execute the retrospective, which is that internal meeting with the team to talk about what worked, what didn't work, what we can do better. And when I talk about the team in that retrospective, we need to keep in mind, those are only the team members, not the management. We need to have a safe environment where everyone feels free to talk. To sum up the IT team, we need to think of those, those folks that make up that group in terms of determining how we deliver what the business asks for. And one key element that spans across all teams and every single person responsible for delivering that working functionality from the business on down is that we all have to be held accountable for communicating. 
We can't withhold information. We can't play those political games that so many of us have become accustomed to over the years. We've got to tear down that wall and create trust through open and frequent communication. Now that we have a high-level understanding of who's accountable for what and what those roles look like, what that equation looks like, let's get into the specifics. And let's start off with what some may consider and what I argue is the most important role on the Agile team. And that role is the Scrum Master. Now let's talk about that at a real high level just for a second. Let's talk about what makes a good Scrum Master. And a lot of the things that go into making a really great Scrum Master are unfortunately not things we can train. They're personality traits that are ingrained into somebody's character. And I'll tell you, once you find a great Scrum Master, do not let that person go because they are a goldmine, a treasure trove that will really help drive your teams to being great. And that element that we're talking about, that personality trait, is that of servant leadership. This person will naturally think in terms of we and us in the team, as opposed to I, me, how does this benefit my career? How is this going to get me to the next level? The key to a great scrum master is those ingrained characteristics that make up servant leadership. So let's talk about what that scrum master does. They're, in, they're responsible for enacting scrum values and practices, really reinforcing um, our agile uh, manifesto and our 12 principles. Their key role is to go out there and remove impediments for the team during our daily stand-up. We'll identify those things, and that scrum master listens for them, and that person goes out in the world, goes out in our organization, and works tirelessly throughout the day to remove those impediments so our team can create working software at the end of the sprint. Next, they ensure that the team is functional and productive. They help make sure everybody's motivated and staying on task. And we don't do this through our traditional PM mindset of hammering and forcing and being that dictator. We want to inspire folks to want to be great. We want to inspire them to work and build elegant products. Additionally, we shield the team from external interferences. If you think about your typical project and all the different folks that are coming in and asking things of your developers, you know, hey, come work on this hot fix. What about this code red? What about this? What about that thing you did last month? We can't afford for these folks to be distracted like that. Not saying that people shouldn't be, a, shouldn't be approachable and that we shouldn't encourage people to, to communicate you know, across teams, but that Scrum Master really needs to make sure that our team members, our developers, are not suffering from unnecessary distractions. And a few key notes to take away from the Scrum Master role, that person is usually not your line manager or technical expert. It's really about finding an individual that has those skill sets to be that servant leader. And finally, when you talk about a Scrum Master and you talk about an Agile PM, they could be two distinct roles or they could be the same just depending on your organization and how your team is set up. It really depends on the context. In a larger organization, it probably makes sense to have a separate Agile PM from your Scrum Master, especially in a situation where you're considering Scrum of Scrums and multiple teams uh, coming together to deliver a product. But in some situations, on smaller teams and smaller organizations, it might make a lot of sense to have that Scrum Master also be your PM. And that's the beauty of Agile. There's no clear definition. It's about what finding what works best for your team while adhering to that manifesto and those 12 principles. This week's episode of The Everyday Executive is brought to you by Madison Company. For those of us that have worked in a corporate environment, I'm sure we've all had interactions with consulting firms. The big firms out there, you know who I'm talking about and you know how they work. They come into your culture, they create an environment that is dependent upon them, 
so you can't get rid of them. They create a dependency that requires us to make sure that we have them funded year after year after year, and we're even forced to make staffing decisions and cuts based on our need to keep that firm around. It's time to take a different look at consulting, and it comes from the Anti-Consultancy Consultancy at Madison Company. If your culture needs a refresh, if you want to improve those employee engagement scores, if you want to figure out ways to make your team work better together, Madison Company has the skills, the experience, and the team you need to achieve the operational outcomes that you're after. Specializing in scaled agile transformations, lean enterprise, and cultural transformation, Madison Company has the years of knowledge and the breadth of expertise to help make your goals a reality. Learn more at mattislc.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-S-L-C.com. Now back to the show. Now that we've talked about the Scrum Master, let's talk about the other critical role on the Agile Project team. And that is the role of Business Product Owner, or BPO. I've talked to a lot of teams who, who haven't had a lot of success with Agile, and the one commonality that I tend to see is that they've got a business partner who didn't know that they were part of the equation. That business partner needs to know their role, they need to understand what is expected of them, and they need to understand just how critical they are to this whole process. So a few traits that a good BPO needs to have, uh, number one, is that they need to make themselves available to the team. We understand that some BPOs might wear multiple hats and have a lot of things going on, but at the very least, we need that BPO to set office hours each day, a point in time where the team knows they can call and speak to that BPO directly and help get some of their questions answered. Next, the BPO needs to be knowledgeable about the product or the vision of the project we're taking on. They need to kind of understand all the bits and pieces that are coming in from the teams they represent, and they need to be empowered to make decisions on behalf of those folks. If we've got a marketing element, the BPO should be informed enough about that element to answer basic questions from the team and make basic decisions. A key understanding that a lot of BPOs need to embody, actually all BPOs need to embody, is that they are part of the team, not apart from the team. When we talk about the team, a lot of the times we get stuck in the trap of considering only the development side. We understand that the BPO is a portion of the team, but a lot of the focus tends to be on those sprinting elements, those folks delivering work, delivering to the BPO. So what we need to strive for on both sides of the equation is understanding that from the beginning at the very onset of the initiative with the BPO until the end where the final deliverable is accepted and delivered, that BPO and that scrum team are one. They work together in unison. They represent each other and they sink or swim. They fail or succeed as one unit, as a team. All right, now that we understand some of the key roles in the formation of the Agile team, let's wrap this podcast up with reviewing some best practices. And the first one that I like to recommend to my new Agile teams is uh, directly derived from the words of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. And that's the concept that you should never have a team reporting to you that is larger than what you can feed with two pizzas. And that general rule of thumb is seven plus or minus two people or five to nine people on your team. And the thought behind that is if you've got a team much larger than that, how can you be invested in the development of each one of those people? Remember that a lot of the agile principles are derived from lean methods and lean principles. And when you think of management in lean, we don't think of them as these empirical powers that you know, control every bit of our lives that we must fear. Lean suggests that our management are our teachers. They're responsible for developing the individuals on that team. They're responsible for helping them stay motivated, focused, 
and content with their work. And if you've got a team that's much larger than nine, it's just too many people. You can't give those individuals the attention they deserve. If you think about the teacher-student ratios that we consider when we send our children to school, we know the higher that ratio, the poorer their education. We want that to be as small as possible for that individual attention. So when it comes to managing teams and leading teams, that five to nine number is really the sweet spot. Next, we need to embody the concepts of starting as a team, finishing as a team. And that's from the BPO all the way on down the line. The entire development and business team, that product team, that persistent product team, succeeds and fails together. We don't point fingers and say, he, he did, she did, he didn't, whatever. We don't do those things. We fail as a team or we succeed as a team. We are one unit. For those of you that have ever played athletics, we know we're one team and our successes and failures are shared as a unit. Next, we talk about the concepts of empowerment. Everybody on the team needs to be empowered to make decisions. We don't hold them accountable and their feet to the fire if the decision's wrong. We expect people to learn from it, but we've got to create an environment where mistakes are okay, and that's another lean concept. We need our teams to be empowered to make decisions and feel that it's okay to make mistakes. And finally, we've got the most important element, the single most important thing for ensuring the success of our Agile teams, and that is open and honest communication. We've got to build trust. The Agile Manifesto and the 12 Principles and the Scrum Principles do not work without trust. And the only way we can build that trust is to have open and honest communication, both positive and negative. We can't play these political games where we, where we sandbag the bad news to the end. We've got to let people know early and up front what's working, what's not working. We can't be afraid to have that communication. Without it, the whole model falls apart. If you take nothing from this podcast other than that last piece of, of information, the open and honest communication, then we've succeeded. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The very high-level concepts of forming the Agile team. We've talked about the roles of the business, the roles of IT, and some very specific key roles on those two teams, the business product owner and the scrum master. We've summarized by saying none of this works without trust, and none of it works without open and honest communication. So there you have it, fellow Agilists. A little information there that might be dated, but still pretty good guidance, pretty good information. We hope that you can take it out and apply it to your Agile teams today. For those of you that are interested in learning more about Agile, bringing training to your teams, or understanding how the Scaled Agile framework can benefit your large and complex organization, we encourage you to check out the show notes and reach out to Madison Company. And as always, those show notes can be found at everydayexecutive.co. That is everydayexecutive.co. We've been doing these sort of transformations for many years, and we're glad to help you either in a consulting, training, or other capacity. Feel free to reach out. All the information is in the show notes. That concludes our Agile Throwback series. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us some comments either at iTunes, Google, or Stitcher. Those things really help us to grow and to evolve this podcast to continue to bring you great content. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam Mattis.